0: Today's episode features a conversation with my dear friend, Kate All. Now, Kate is the owner and the founder of Simple Pin Media, which is a Pinterest marketing agency. Now, Kate could list all of her accomplishments, but what she really wants you to know, and she told me to share this with you, is that anytime you're ready to dive into Pinterest marketing for your business, her team is ready to help. And I love that that was the bio she asked me to share because Kate is all about her team and all about her clients' success. And you'll hear even early on in our conversation, Kate really shares her approach to leadership, which is, to ask for, and then act on feedback. It is to empower and listen to and trust her team. And there's a great example that she shares about a trip that she took to Portugal where she was essentially out of communication, was living her best life on this trip of a lifetime and letting her team run The entire business while she was gone and I want you to listen as she shares what that outcome was not only for her as a CEO but for her as a person and Kate truly is one of the nicest most charismatic genuine people that I have ever met and if you have not yet had the pleasure of meeting with Kate I really think you're going to love this interview. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with my incredible friend, the amazing Kate All. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis, and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day, but what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing. Moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On hard costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and am joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. my beautiful friend. Kate, thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so
1: glad to get to talk to you. It feels like we're just chatting over like a Zoom call or something like that. It's like, let's catch up. But I'm not I'm sure people don't want to hear that.
0: No, I'm sure they do. And it's funny because some of the best conversations that I have had with friends, with colleagues, with strangers who have become friends, it's like in the hallways of a conference. It's when you are sitting on the bed of a hotel room where everybody who was at this event has just like, that's where they go. That's the after party. It's in the waiting room of you know, an event. Um, and so I have loved these conversations so far, Kate, because I think it is where we get a little bit more real. And we talk about some of the things that people don't know, when it mm. comes to running and scaling a business or working with somebody who is scaling there. So yeah, it's like slumber party central here. on Hard <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Bring it. But you're so right. Those like, in the margin conversations are some of the most powerful and the ones that we remember.
0: Yeah. And it's one of the reasons that I was so delighted when you agreed to come on and have this conversation is that uh, spoiler alert! I have been a Kate All fan for many, many, many years, and you are somebody. When I was really starting more as a creator, I didn't even really have big plans to become a business owner myself. I didn't. I really just thought, well, maybe if I publish a blog post on sillytatertop.blogspot.com, someone <laughs> will pay attention to me. Thank goodness that URL got left in the dust. But as I really became more of a creator, I looked immediately to you, and it feels mm-hmm. to me. Like you were a pretty early adopter of not necessarily done for you service model, but you know, how, how could you help creators expand their business? So talk to me about what the early days of business and business ownership looked like and felt like to you.
1: Yeah, I think they felt super chaotic, super like out of my zone and because it was an accident, right? And so I had grown up in 2009 through 2013 working for somebody else and learning firsthand how to do WordPress, how to do SEO, affiliate marketing. And it unlocked for me this whole idea of like, oh, this is how you garner engagement. This is how you write good content. And thankfully the woman I worked for She was really good at at like coaching people to write great, to say, like, okay, I want you to pay attention to this. And some people can take offense at that, right? And they can be like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to write how I'm going to write. But I learned a lot about that. And I learned a lot about like, how do I get people to talk to me? How do I get like that feedback? And so then when I was presented with the option, to start this business as an agency model for people, I think what I went into it with was this mindset of give me feedback. Does this work for you? Because if it doesn't, this doesn't work for either of us. And as a result of going with that open mind of I'm ready to receive what you have to say to be better, I think that helped me grow and helped me flex along the way. When we hit these, you know, gross spots or whatever we have. But the, yeah, those early days were like, what am I doing? Like,
0: there happening? was no, well, I mean, there were books, but they were put out by people who had no experience in the online marketing space, no business growing a team. And I think a lot of it was you know, sort of traditional white, older CEO man who would talk about traditional marketing approaches. And that's certainly not how you grew your company. It When, you know, when I think back to the origins, and I know that you've had lots of iterations, and you yourself are such a creative person and have all of these, these different programs and initiatives and things that you're doing. But when I think back to when I really found you and said oh my gosh this is somebody to watch this is somebody who's being disruptive it felt to me like that was a time when courses were really Mm. really popular and everybody who had an expertise or a point of view would would create a course so was that the first product that you built or what did that look like
1: yeah that actually came probably two to three years into the business and one of the things well i started just with services right And then as services grew that first year, I realized I needed help. Like I needed somebody else to kind of guide me in business. Because you're right, there wasn't anything to go to. It was really me looking around in Facebook groups. And I had a Facebook group at the time. So that helped as well. So it's kind of simultaneously, I'm kind of using the community to learn, but I'm also teaching the community at the same time. And then as we grew, it was like, okay, let's go to newsletter. That was one of my very first things was let's write a newsletter. And then after that, it went to, okay, I have all this data, right? Cause I think what was also happening at the same time was like, I'm getting it from the community. I'm seeing it. And what I'm hearing from one person doesn't line up with what I'm seeing. Cause I'm seeing 20 different accounts and they have their own. So I felt this like conflict there. So then it merged into a blog and then it was like, Oh, I know how to write. I know how that's what I've been doing. So I'm going to start doing that. And then it went to podcast and that was a way to kind of do double duty, but use the spoken word and to very, to clearly communicate what I wanted to say instead of, you know, a 3000 word blog post. And then I think actually courses for me, if I had to be honest, it came out of a little bit of the competitive nature of myself. Because I saw other people doing it and I was like, wait a minute, I, every, this is also, this is a side note, but I'll say this. Everybody tells me about their Pinterest course experience. So I could tell you, which I won't tell everybody, which courses are good or bad. I just know because of all the feedback that I get. So I was hearing all of this and I thought, well, I can create a better product. But what I didn't realize at the time that I know now is I do side more creator I don't side digital marketer. And what I was seeing was really great digital marketing, but I was hearing about the lack of good courses. So yeah, about three years in, and I, I actually feel like I, I wish I would have waited.
0: That's really interesting. And you wish you would have waited for what reason? The marketplace would have been different or your no, experience No, I think have been I would have
1: been different. I think I would have been more prepared because I think what I also realize now, and you Ivana, have, and I've talked about this a lot. Once you split from an agency, which is done for you into a DIY, it's completely different funnels. You're talking to totally different persons and you are split as an owner now between who you're talking to and you have to find a way to bring those voices together. And now you have people asking you, which way should I go? Whereas if you just had an agency, they're like, Oh, this is your only option. I will go down this road or I won't. Right.
0: Yeah. I love that. And you also just kind of opened up a topic that I'd love to dive into, which is you, you said earlier that you have always been appreciative of a feedback loop and of, you know, that you have really gone out of your way to say, Hey, what do you think of this? I find that to be really difficult, not because I don't value, I really understand that that's the only way to be creative and to learn and to grow, but my, my skin is not particularly thick. And so when you talk about opening up feedback, even earlier on in your career, now you're, talking to buyers and consumers, I imagine that you get all sorts of feedback from them, whether or not you ask, how have you had to kind of manage your emotions as not just the CEO, but also the human behind Mm. the business? Has that been difficult?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And actually I will say the previous job that I worked in, because I was doing so much Facebook work and people were just learning how to communicate online. And all of a sudden it felt like, well, gloves are off. I'm behind a screen. I can say whatever I want. I think that taught me a lot of the the thick skin. And I had a lot of moments where I was really frustrated. I was really hurt. And then I think I took that into my business and said... There are times where people like just say things because they're frustrated. And I actually took a position too as well with my team members that I would be highly protective of them. That if a client came at them in an email and it was not constructive feedback, I would step in right away and say, I see you gave us this feedback. I'm going to wait 24 hours to respond to you, but this is my team. And whatever you're going to do, us, give us with feedback. It has to be kind. So I'll talk to you in 24 hours. And then I would go back and I would say, here's the situation. Here's the research that I've done with my team. This is the problem. And this is how we're going to solve it. And most of the time people would come back and they say, I'm so sorry. I was really frustrated. I was like, I get it, but we don't move mountains with that kind of feedback. We just, we're just mean. And truth be told, there have been a few instances where people really are just mean. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, what a gift to your team to have that protective, I was going to say mama bear, because there was a little bit of that mom voice, you know, I, I, I'm like, oh, that sometimes is what I tell my kids, a cooling off period. And like, we don't react in real time. I'm not always great at adhering to that. But when you said that, I said, what a protective, almost like a a maternal, not in like a true feminine, you know, but just like a maternal protective role. But I have to imagine, Kate, that being empathetic like that for your team and also being empathetic for your buyer, there's not a lot of space left for you. I would I would really struggle with like, well, where do I go when my feelings are hurt when someone's being mean to me? So in those instances, what do you do?
1: Yeah. I think that has changed so much over the years. And I think that also for anybody just starting their business to know that that's going to change as you do build in team members and you're going to have team members that hurt you. They're going to have team members that are painful. And I think one of the things that I did right away was I got a mastermind in a group of people outside of my business that were also business owners. That was excellent because then I could freely share and communicate where I was at. And then I think number two, um, just a couple of years of I joined entrepreneurs organization that has been excellent too, as well, different types of business owners. And then third, August of 2020, I brought on an integrator and that was somebody on my team. And she was really this person who was able to tell me the really honest things. So I joke that I picked her because she told me no. And oftentimes (laughs) nobody tells the boss no, right? Like people tell you what you think you wanna hear. And I understand that. That's how most job environments work. But I needed somebody who could receive me at my rawest moments Mm -hmm. and also understood the team dynamic. And that was kind of, magic for me when that came together because I I needed somebody who could carry it with me to that point It's like yeah how do you take care of yourself and my friends who are in my mastermind who I love are automatically like so protective of me because they don't see the other side somebody internally who can see all the things is able to go well maybe you didn't see this perspective
0: yeah and and that is also such a gift there's something in the um, the communication structure that you just talked about, which is, hey, I'm telling you this because I love you and be- also because I see your potential. you know, I see your ability to lead this company well, to lead this team well, to be disruptive in the marketplace. And I agree with you that sometimes you have to have that person, whether it's a team member, someone that reports to you, or somebody who's in in line with you in terms of the hierarchy or somebody totally outside. I mean, sometimes it's so helpful for me to have somebody who truly does not understand online marketing, who's not on social media, doesn't get it, but it's so helpful to have them say, well, actually, when you told me this story, you actually sounded like pretty short tempered or like, I don't actually think you read that email in the tone that it was meant. And I, I agree with you. There's something in there where it's like, oh, I don't need to feel judged or in the wrong, thank goodness, there's somebody that will help me through this. Uh, But I finding those people I have to imagine has been difficult because you're you're putting so much trust in them. Has that been a difficult journey as you've been a CEO hiring and bringing on team Uh, members and empowering them in different ways?
1: Yes, it has. And I, I think it's been such a great learning lesson for Um, I like to say that being, um, running your own business highlights your greatest gifts and your greatest insecurities at the same time, kind of like being a parent. It's like, you're watching this little person grow up and you're like, Oh yeah, that's me. That's my fault. I see it coming out in my kid. (laughs) And I think that as you, as business has evolved, You know, in the beginning, I didn't even really have a formal interview process. It was like, hey, do you want to work with me? I'm doing this crazy thing. Let's go. Right. And thankfully, I had a lot of great people who said yes, and then have developed their skills and really grown up in the company. But there have been some encounters where, um, in fact, one of the hardest lessons in my business was to realize that in trying to work with a team member who really wasn't a good fit, but I was trying to make it a good fit, I was making it about me. I was making it about my success. I wasn't making it about them. I wanted to conquer these things. I wanted to make sure that they, um, worked in the way that I want them to work. And that was such a huge highlight for me to step back and go, oh, this is about me. And this is not about them. And when I finally make it about them, I realize, oh, we're not a good fit. And that's okay. But Mm -hmm. it's been hard because those situations often come with burning bridges. They come with things that are really hard. They come with when you're so raw and exposed. And for me, that was in the midst of 2020, which we were all just miserable then. So to add this on top of it, I think I learned to interrogate my motives and to interrogate why it is I'm doing something because I can barely, I'm an Enneagram three. I can easily deceive myself into pretty much anything, right. And convince myself it's a great idea. And that has to be called back into check to say, is this about you? Is this about you being successful or is this truly about the good of this other person?
0: I so appreciate you sharing that because I think all of us who have come up through leadership, whether we have run and own our own businesses or we have worked at a growing, scaling business. And I know there are a lot of people listening to this show who are similar to me. That was my experience for a long time. You know, you talked about working for someone else and you learned so much along the way. But I do find that there's a lack of understanding and a lack of awareness of how difficult those conversations are. You know, you sort of think, I'm ambitious. I want to be a leader. I want to be the boss. And there are, you and I both know, there's so many great things that come with that. No question. Yeah. But the burden and the responsibility is you are the one making choices and often delivering that news and the ability to flex that muscle and really see this as like, this is, this is my job is mm. to think about the company and the team. But also, like you said, sometimes those difficult decisions in the moment are so painful, but they really are a gift. Know whether they feel like that in the moment or they're seen that way by the person receiving it, who knows. Um, But you don't know what that feels like until you've been able to elevate to a position where that's a responsibility. And I often think that that's one of those hard costs that I think about in business, which is it's mentally hard. I don't know of anybody, even the people with the thickest skin who are like, yeah, it was no big deal. I had to let someone go yeah. today it was no big deal somebody's mm-hmm. on a performance improvement plan it's no big deal I had to really yeah. talk to somebody about uh, a mistake that they're making or the energy whatever that is so um those are those are some of the more difficult days wouldn't you say
1: yeah and I would say I used to hate the phrase um, higher slow fire fast I used to be like that uh, true to my nature I'm like whatever I I can put that aside and win at that right and what I have learned through the, through the experiences of having to let people go is that it is true. It is Mm -hmm. a, a good model to follow. It is really painful, but I will tell you as somebody who's tried to like ease the blow of all of that stuff or anything It never works. It never, ever works. And my first reaction is to give grace and give compassion. And, and really truly, if I drill down again, it's about me. It's, I don't want somebody to be upset with me. I don't want somebody to be mad, but when you fire fast or you let somebody go fast, it doesn't always have to be for a negative reason, but baby you can't afford it. You have to do that quickly. And it is hard, but that is another lesson that I have learned is do not drag that out because it's uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. everybody when things change or when it's just, it's not fun. And we've learned to try to give two weeks. And even Leslie and I, my integrator, she was like, well, we're never doing that again. (laughs) And I was like, good point. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember, um, you know, somebody who was really helping me as I went through some of these uncomfortable lessons myself was really, again, talking about how it's a gift, but also just really talking about the impact that indecision has. Right. And so if you let something, whether it's a team member or just a broken piece of your software, you not showing up to meetings, whatever it is, if you let that happen, it's actually so painful for the team because they start to see that this is the pattern. Yeah. And then their confidence starts to fall apart and their optimism starts to fall apart. So yeah, I I find that this is a really common part of leadership and growth that we as CEOs will talk about again at the slumber party behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Um, And I really hope that people are really appreciative of the fact that you're sharing that in such a powerful way. I want to pivot a little bit Okay. Because with your business, I'm curious, you have really, from my perspective, you know, you're know, you very platform specific in terms of simple pin. Now, again, I know there's lots of things going on in, in your business and in all of the projects that you have going on, but you have really centered a lot of your agency work around a particular platform, Pinterest. What has that been like as a CEO who's trying to predict the future and is a little bit kind of beholden to, that company's decisions and what happens has that been a roller coaster have there been highs lows what has that been like
1: roller coaster for sure a hundred percent and i think um you know i knew the risk i was taking when i you know you've heard those phrases like don't build on rented land these platforms can do whatever but i think there's something to be said that like every business leverages rented land. and mm-hmm. so there has to be people who tell them how to do it. so yes, there's a risk right there. and i always i'm always paying attention to like where's the pinterest stock at? what are their you know q4, q3 earnings reports? who's the ceo? what's the ceo saying? Um, in fact, LinkedIn has been magic for me because I just recently have been able to connect and I got a DM from this CEO when I tagged him in something wow. and I was like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> um, so in that sense, like I understand the risk, but I also understand that somebody has to be that middleman that says Pinterest has a language that feels very corporate and it doesn't feel like it knows how to connect with creators or small businesses. So if I can be this go between that's a translator, then that puts me in a position to be still highly needed in all these businesses. And as a result to be a leader for other people who are doing Pinterest based businesses to say, mm-hmm. I want you to be really good. Cause I know there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of people who are not telling the right information or good information or any of that. And so how can I be that? But it, it still doesn't, you know, sometimes we joke, man, like what would it be like to work in a business that's not dependent on a platform that's constantly changing? Like, might be kind of nice some days. Yeah,
0: it is definitely a grass is always greener situation because you, we all hear, oh, you have to niche down. You have to, I mean, how many times have you and I moaned over the work to find the avatar and the ICP and all of this jargon that, that people talk about and that I have said. And so I imagine that the people who are multi hyphenate Uh, you know, niches would love to say, oh, I wish I was just the expert in this one area. I will say anecdotally, it has made it very easy for me to be able to send people your way when I know that Pinterest is a platform that they're considering or exploring. Right. And like you said, you know, the ability to say, oh, I not only know this person, but this is their core competency. They're the best in the business. They're high integrity. Like go see my friend Kate. And that's been, that's been really great because, Uh, otherwise it's really just like, oh, you need a marketing agency. Whoa. There's a, there's a lot going on. And some of them are my best friends, these agency owners, but still.
1: Yeah. And I think to your point too, one, thank you for the referral. I'll take any and all. (laughs) But I think one of the things that I've seen over the years too, is that I get that people get exhausted, right? Like I've seen some people who did focus on Pinterest and then they shifted to something else. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. You're going to know when you're going to have to make the shift. But for me, it was like, there's, and I still get asked about it. They're like, are you still doing Pinterest? And like, (laughs) yep. I'm 10 years later, I'm (laughs) still doing it. Like, does it get boring? Yes. But I also understand that, um, If I can keep on that route, there is a little bit of comfort in that. And yes, I get distracted and there's things, of course, I want to do. But I think for anybody in business, you'll know when you need to pivot. And for me, that has not come about yet. We still have people who ask us, will you do Instagram for us? We do. No, because that I know the level that that takes to understand, keep up and invest in a platform. And we don't have that bandwidth. And if we don't have that bandwidth, then we can't give you a superior product. Like it's just where we're at.
0: Yeah. So take me back to young Kate, because this was the time when Pinterest wasn't a thing. Social media wasn't what it was. I want to know what young Kate was envisioning for her life when Mm. she was in school. Now I'm picturing you, you know, in eighth grade with the braids (laughs) and I'm picturing you as the confident (laughs) leader first, (laughs) you know, hand raising class. But I'd love to know if that's true. And if so, what was your, what was your highest aspiration when you were younger?
1: Oh, that's good. No, that wasn't true. I but I was the person who was a friend of many, right? Like, um that also
0: tracks, by the way. That tracks very (laughs)
1: it's like, I had all the friends and I did all the things. And I, you know, college wasn't really a decision for me. It was a decision made for me. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, this is just what you're doing. And I was, you know, blessed with my parents just being able to pay for that. So it was kind of like. Well, I think I want to go to this school, but that didn't end up working out. And so I went to another school and while I was there, I think I, I didn't know. Right. And having kids, I have a senior in high school. I I am now living that as me. And I think you don't know what you want to do. And, but I think the whole time I knew I had an element of leadership in me because when I was in the ninth grade, we had a family friend who sent me to this Washington student leadership. I grew up in Washington. I now live in Oregon, but he said, it's, you know, these business leaders, these entrepreneurs, like, I want you to start investing in this because I see leadership in you. And I actually went back to him last year and I said, why did you say that to me? Like, what did you see in me? And he was like, I just saw somebody who was like judgment free, who was able to really lean into new situations, who was good with people and who was able to just kind of, gather people together around Mm -hmm. you. And so that really planted that seed. And then I continued with that, but I didn't think about business at all. And then transferred uh, to a different college and I started to think about teaching and I started to think about like impacts that I had. So I got a political science degree with a plan to go get my master's in teaching after that. But then I met my husband right after I graduated from college. And then we kind of like went on a detour and the detour was like, well, we're going to follow his job for a while. And then I would floundered for a while. And then it was like, well, I guess all my friends are having kids. So let's have kids. Right. (laughs) So I had three babies in four years and I don't remember those years. They were just (laughs) gone. And then I think when I came up for air, one of the greatest gifts to me was the friend saying will you help me? And then I think that started to unlock the creativity that I think I had this, this gap with, with having kids. And then that unlocked the leadership again, as I leaned into my own company and leaned into team, because that felt like it fit like a glove. Teaching would not have felt like it fit like a glove, like Mm -hmm. especially high schoolers, like not my (laughs) jam. Now
0: that you're a mom of, you are really immersed. It's, no, thank you. Okay.
1: No, thank you. Thank you, yeah.
0: teachers who do all of the work that they do, but that is not the 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think there was a lot of like, I don't know if the, I, I'm assuming this happens to every person in their forties. You start to go back and you look at these connector dots from your childhood, from your early adolescence, and you go oh, I see where that negative seed was planted and I want to rewrite that story or I see where that positive seed was planted and I want to continue on that story. So I think what I'm realizing now is there was a lot of um, drivenness in my life and a lot of pushed drivenness that it wasn't necessarily a choice for me, but it was like perform, 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 do, do, do. And now it's, I'm at that point where I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) like I need to interrogate those things.
0: I think you're so right about the life stage and really understanding how much life we still have ahead of us and and how much working potential and creative potential and really like understanding, wow, now I need to, I really need to be a little bit selfish or whatever that looks like. In fact, it's, I'd love to ask you, I had so much FOMO. I know you have been doing quite a bit of traveling in 2023 and some of it, was solo or maybe not solo, but these were not all family trips. They weren't all team trips. Tell me about how you were able to make that happen and what did that do for you this year?
1: Yeah, so uh, the big trip, I went to Portugal with a good friend of mine and uh, we went for 12 days and it was great because one, this is a very important friend in my life and she's single. And having a friend who is single, not by choice, right? Like she would love to meet somebody um, has allowed me to see, like, I have a lot of empathy for people who are single, like thinking of traveling is very difficult, right? Cause you're paying for everything yourself. You're going to explore this place by yourself. And if you're not super extroverted, that's really hard. Right. Yeah. So, um, my husband knows her well too. So I said, Hey, like, are you cool with this? Like, I get it. Like, it's a, I'm not going with you. And of course my <laughs> husband's like, well, I'm okay with it, but I'm really not okay with it. He's yeah. like, I want to go yeah. too. <laughs>
0: Major FOMO from um, everybody who was left. A back
1: major FOMO, day. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, before that trip, I hit my wall big time. Like I was really burned out. Um, I really, I have, I try to practice this idea of rest in as a rhythm anyway. So summers for me have at least one full week, which actually I'm going into it next week of just no cell reception, no internet, no my phone doesn't work. We camp. It's just I'm out. Right but I needed it in a different way. I needed mm-hmm. it to like, I i don't know. I just hit a wall, you know, you've talked yep. about burnout oh, yeah. pretty burnout openly.
0: Is, and it's emotional and it's physical and it's spiritual. It's all of the things. And yeah, i thought a dark room for a week would have been the, the best treatment. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I went to Portugal. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't, I turned off Slack. I didn't look at email. I didn't look at social media. And it was so refreshing for me to be in a space where one, you're in a different culture. Mm-hmm. Two, the people are slightly slower and it allowed me to hear the things that I needed to hear. Um, so spiritually it was very good for me. And, Um, my friend works at Nike as a director, so she understands corporate and coaching life and all those things. So I'm able to talk with her about these things that I wrestle through. Obviously she has a different perspective of it, but I came back and I was like, okay, well it was nobody. I wasn't needed except for recording the podcast really, which I love. Um, and I'm not, Nothing burned down, which I never even remotely thought it would. But that allowed me to see that I, things that felt fervent to get done, not the case anymore. I went, okay, I'm going into summer. You have children, I have children. They're minors Mm a hundred different ways. Plus we have a bonus fourth kid. And so I thought I'm now able to look at my day and go, I'm going to do a podcast with Katie. That's it. And then I'm running people different places all around all these things and it's fine. So I think that was really good for me is just to have that realization.
0: Yeah, it's funny because one of the things that I have asked CEOs in the past is if you were to take a sabbatical and you could leave knowing that nothing was going to be negatively impacted, where would you go and what would you do? You take this amazing trip to Portugal, you come back, the team has made you proud you are now looking ahead to what the future of Kate All is, What's the future of Simple Pin Media is. What are you most excited about when you look at your own 3, 5, 10-year plan?
1: You know, I think right now what I'm most excited about is one, I'm effect finding what that looks like. So I've heard a lot of agency owners say over the years, like, and even creators, right? Like you should have a 3 to 5-year plan. It should be an exit plan, XYZ, right? And somebody said this phrase in a podcast, They said, even if you don't want to exit, have a plan, whether it's, you're going to shut it down, you're going to do all these things. And I listened to this, how I built this with the guy who started Chobani. And he had this amazing phrase. And he said, when he was faced with somebody buying his company, he said, you know, I, I birthed this company. I'm going to die with this company. And at that first that really resonated with me. And I thought, well, maybe that's my like three to five year plan. Like we'll just shut it down. Right. But then as I begin to look around, I start to get connected with other people who have gone through this buy sell process. And I think I'm now in this, like just learning what that looks like. Like, what does it look like for an agency to sell? What does it look like for somebody to stay on and help transition? um, you know, what it, our kids are going to be out of the house. Well, not really out of the house, but out of school in five years. So I'm kind of reflecting on like, what, is, what do I want for my husband and I? Like, do I, we want the freedom to travel and our house will be totally paid off in five years. So it's like all these things kind of happen to where I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking a lot about like, I don't know if this happens to everybody, but at the, the my 10 year mark is coming up in six months. I feel like I'm more comfortable at my 10 year mark that I've probably ever been in my CEO skin because not only am I investigative about who I am, I'm really clear about who I am And this year that came full circle for me to say like, I'm a creator. I'm not a digital marketer. I can stop wrestling these things out and hire people like you to help me think with a digital marketing brain because I don't. And I think that has been a huge tension for me as I've grown this business to try to fit into... um, I love Amy Porterfield, but like I'm drawn to her because she feels so magical and digital marketing amazing, right? I'm sure she has amazing people that she pays, which is fantastic. But I think as a person who's growing a business, you can look at all these people ahead of you and think... I want to aspire to be that. And I think for me, what I want to aspire to to be is to uh, still equip people to use their gifts, talent, skills within the company and serve people really well with an amazing product. And for me, I think that requires me to be popped out and not working as much, but to be out in the spaces, to be speaking, to be connecting and networking and investigative about what are other people doing. In fact, uh, this is funny. I I should admit this because this everybody does this. I got hooked into Twitter on accident, and I started following these bro agency marketers. And at first, my aversion was to be like, I'm out. But I was like, wait a minute. There's something to be learned by watching other people, especially I think the boldness of men sometimes to share their successes and women don't do that as much. We kind of hold back. And so I went down this Twitter rabbit hole that actually was so inspiring for me to go like, yeah, I want to share more of our case studies. Yeah. I want to share more of our wins and I want to be bold about it because I believe that it can happen. And I don't, I don't think these guys were doing it in like, um, a douchey way, if you will. Sorry, no, that's not the maybe. best word to use. No, maybe. Yeah, I
0: know what to say. There's just this like systemically, like there is a difference in the way I think traditionally younger men have been taught to boast yes. versus younger women. And I'm so happy to see that that's changing. And I, I will also just insert. As you're talking about that, this is why I think it's so important for those of us who are women CEOs, women business leaders to do it because it's almost like, you know, what do they say? Like your kids are always watching. So you work out, your kids are watching, you read it, and all of these things. I think the choices that we make are truly impacting the up and coming leaders, which is wonderful. I'd love for them not to have to navigate some of this misogynistic bro culture that you and I have had to wait yeah. through.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think there, instead of having an immediate visceral reaction, I went, there's something to be learned here. And there's something to be, there is a good piece in this that I think I can take away from my business. So I think it feel, I feel in this, I guess, phase of um, a little bit self-discovery, a little bit more confident, a little bit more willing to just grow it in a different way that I didn't feel it felt fervent maybe these last nine years. And now I feel like, okay, we're settling into a groove. Like it's not this like massive sweeping change all the time. It's the little things like, you know, when we meet with you, you're like, how about you just change that? And I'm like, okay, we're just going to move the dial a little bit. It's not like we're going to move the dial all the way around. And that for me feels like I, in five years, I can say, Maybe I'll pass on the company to employees. Maybe I will sell, but I'm really okay saying I'm still fact finding to try to figure out what the lay of the land looks like. Because to make a decision right now in the midst of our economy being so shaky, I feel like would be unwise. It might not be unwise for somebody else, but for me, it would be. So I got on all these lists about people selling their companies and all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, I think the advice I've always heard, and it sounds like it's very similar to what you have heard, is, you know, always be saleable, you know, always be thinking of profit, always be thinking about the next steps. How are you nurturing and empowering your team so that it can live without you if there's ever, a you know, you ever step back. Um, but I do think that mentality is so important because it's really the same thing as think profitably. You know, think strategically, think wisely about the health of your company. And that only means good things for your team, for your clients, and for those who are coming behind you. So I love that. And you are so kind to say nice things about working with me. Let me just say that working with you and having the opportunity to see behind the scenes, you are the real deal, Kate. And the way that you speak to your team, the way that you speak to colleagues, the way that you speak to your audience, it has been so helpful for me to see mm-hmm. and role model what it can look like to be an empathetic leader who still makes hard decisions and still faces these hard costs. And so I just so deeply appreciate the way that you have run your business. I cannot wait to see what the next 10 years, if this is you in like the peak of your <laughs> Kate,ness as CEO. I cannot wait to see what the next 10 years Mm. look like. And I'm just so thankful for you being here, sharing your story and for being such a good friend. You are one of my Mm. very favorite people in the entire world. Mm. And I know uh, if everyone isn't already following you, they're going to start now and they're going to fall in love with you the way that I have. Mm.
1: Thank you for that. And yeah, it has been a delight to, I would say, to work with you in a way that and maybe in the past when I've worked with people, I felt like there's a deficit where it's like, I don't get that when we meet and we talk, it's not like, uh, you know, people are like, oh, duh, when you think of that, it, that never comes to me unless it's like, well, yeah. And it's a good thing at that point. I think there's good responses and bad responses in that. But yeah, I echo all of that too. It's just been such a delight to know you, to watch your journey, to watch your growth and to get to let you speak into my business in a way that helps kind of boost and, you know, your rising tides lift all boats, right? That's
0: absolutely right. Well, Kate, you are amazing. Thank you for you. Thank you to your team. And again, thank you for just continuing to work with such high integrity and do such great work for creators. I am so proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Tell the truth. If you are a CEO or if you are currently working for a CEO, how many of you could just take off for another country for 12 days, leaving the team and the business and your family and your life behind and trust that everything would not just be okay when you got back, but in some ways be better. I don't know that I have that level of confidence, but it's why I'm so appreciative of people like Kate doing that and sharing that and proving that you can continue to pour into your business and your team and pour into yourself. And hearing that story and having the benefit of watching Kate's travels as she shared on social media in real time really inspired me to continue to find ways to not be the bottleneck of my own business and to really pour into not just my clients and my work, and myself but in my team members and i am so thankful again for kate being who she is and sharing that with all of us and again if you have not had the privilege of meeting kate in person or having these private conversations with her i really hope that hearing kate talk about her business and the direction that she is headed in and that frankly her marketing agency is headed in. I hope that that has really inspired you to learn more about Kate and Simple Pin. So you can find them at simplepinmedia.com. You can also follow Kate and her team on social media at Simple Pin Media on Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere else. And again, I highly encourage you if you are a creator, if you are a marketer, if you are looking for expert level advice and support as you grow your business through Pinterest, Kate and her team are absolutely the best of the best. And I recommend them five stars, two thumbs up. Kate is the person to go see. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you, Kate, for showing up. And I can't wait to join you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services, or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.